John Summers is the motoring historian. He was a company car thrashing technology sales rep that turned into a fairly inept sports bike rider. Hailing from California, he collects cars and bikes built with plenty of cheap and fast and not much reliable. On his show, he gets together with various co-hosts to talk about new and old cars, driving, motorbikes, motor racing, and motoring travel. All right. Well, good day, good afternoon, good morning, whatever time of day it might be for you. It's John Summers, the motoring historian with Mark Gammy. Uh, Mark, go ahead and introduce yourself. Last time I forgot to ask you to introduce yourself. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I suppose I work in sales um, for my sins, which must have been manifold. Um, no, I just meant said. I just meant say hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> It's, it's funny though you say you say you work in sales because in the little blurb that I wrote, that was actually one of the things that I mentioned that you and I had in common, and which I feel like it defines our approach to motoring, the abuse of company cars in our twenties. Repping the repping, yeah, exactly. yeah. So look, um, we did Goodwood, didn't we? We've, I've, I mean, I had a lot of things on my list here. We we did Goodwood, didn't we? That seems like a long time ago. It does. Um, I mean, you remember a good. You remember a good word. You go often. Mm. Tell me what you remember specifically about that particular festival of speed that we went to. Well, I mean, I think the emotional highlight has got to be Wayne Rainey going up the hill, hasn't it? I mean, it's difficult to argue with that. I took a screen cap of him on the on the on the following day when I was watching a bit of the live stream, but seeing him go up there. Seeing the guys from Yam, you know um, Yamaha and so forth over there helping him out and stuff, that was awesome. What about you? What was your highlights? I felt it was great that we went on the Thursday because, and we literally stumbled into the grandstand and sat there being like, it was nice to have a rest. It was raining a little bit, wasn't it? And then we were like, oh, there's some motorcycle people down there. And then you were like, "Ooh, is that Kevin Schwantz? And then you were like, "Ooh, is that is that dude in the wheelchair, Rainy? And it just sort of happened organically didn't it so that was uh was a a, a really uh a special mm. thing of course i i guess uh, you probably saw the film of it how rainy wheelied the bike other days so on on on, on our day he, oh, he yeah. didn't he didn't do that <laughs> did he but uh yeah but you know a lot of the film on youtube that. it says first time riding in however many years it was we actually saw it, you know, we actually saw him chatting with Schwantz and Roberts in the moments before. But yeah, 50 years of M car. That was good. Um, lots of stuff there, some cracking, uh, 2002s and stuff. So yeah. Um, yeah. The, the sculpture was, was awesome. And, and, um, you know, I had the little die cast of the three liter CSL and I could take a photo of it <laughs> by the real three liter CSL. So that was, uh, that was cool. Um, I mean, you asked me about what I thought the highlights were. Um, so I enjoy most the bits where you can walk in the paddock and get really close. Um, I enjoy the I enjoy doing that at the end of the day or early in the morning, i.e. when there's not a lot of people around and when maybe a lot of the cars aren't even there. So when there's that sports racing Ferrari there, you can take 10 minutes being like, God, damn the lines on this car are perfect 
and then sit there looking at where it's redlined, thinking, hmm, this is a sports bike-like piece of kit in terms of how it would be to to use. Um, mm. You know, and I just, you, you know, I always think with, with them, I always find myself, I, I, I look for details, right, that, that a lot of those sports racing Ferraris that we used for long races like Le Mans, and, and the Carrera Panamericana or even the Mille Miglia, they might have like 40 or 50 gallon gas tanks that were out behind the rear axle. So imagine you start the race with a full tank of gas, so the car handles one way. As the tank empties, the car handles a different way. Then you get a full tank of gas. But now the car's knackered because you've done like from Brescia to Rome at racing speeds. Now the shock absorbers are knackered. Maybe the wheels are a bit out of alignment. Now you've got a whole different car. But hey, you know, it's got four tires that are like sports bike tires and about 400 horsepower. So, you know, nothing to worry about there. So, yeah. And, and you know, that, <laughs> be fine. this is right there is why I think, you know, sports racing Ferraris deserve their place as the most valuable cars. And every time I go to an event like Goodwood, I, I love looking at that. Um, I also love that there were Taz Suzuki's there. I love particularly that it was the same year of Taz Suzuki, uh, 2005, as I have two examples of uh, um, the little vents that that year of the 05, 06 um, GSX-Rs have. Um, the little vents it makes them very distinctive. So it was cool to see, you know, my bikes, kind of a contemporary bike, even although it's 15 years old now, 20, 17 years old. Yeah, it, cool to see that at uh, at Goodwood. And cool that whilst we were standing there, like stood 20 feet away from us, just chatted away, looking at, you know, the modified yam that old uh, Rainey had ridden up the hill was Steve Parrish. And neither of us noticed or I didn't notice at least, you know, we were busy enjoying the bikes as well. So that was. Well, um, I, I took a photo of him, actually. I noticed him later. He was le he was chatting to someone leaning on Guy Martin's Tyco Suzuki um, that he'd won. I can't remember. It wasn't it wasn't that he isn't one of the other man, but he, it was. Um, uh, I'm not, don't, it might have been the Northwest 500, but it was it was one of those Northern Ireland road races um, that he'd done in, on it. And um, yeah, just, you know, elbow patches and. Being an enthusiast, and I think I said to you the other day, I think I don't know whether it's come from the, the you know the Duke of Richmond or not, but I, I, they, when they interview them, you get like one or two questions on the, and that's it. I think the the, the ethos very much seems to be everyone here is an enthusiast, so let everyone be an enthusiast. Don't bother anyone too much, even in the interviews. And so you know, you get uh, and you get everyone being car people, which is nice to be for a bit. So. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, Mr. Le Mans was taking photos of the Outer Union, wasn't he? When mm. he took photos of it. Oh yeah, yeah. My my moment of Instagram fame. Well, I won't say fame, but uh, Instagram <laughs> cheap thrill when Tom Christiansen likes my image of Tom Christiansen photographing the interior of the Outer Union D-type hill climb special that he was driving that weekend. <laughs> And, uh, you know, yeah, say what you like about him. I mean, I happen to like him, um, but, uh, but you know, not for any reason. Not there's any reason why I mean, shouldn't. You know, I, I love the guy. Um, but to see him having that enthusiasm was was super cool. Yeah, it's it, it's a cracking day out, and um, uh, I would highly recommend it. 
And then, of course, we stumbled across Nige giving his lecture. Uh, yeah, yeah, Birmingham's finest. Yeah, and and you know, it's. It, I mean, you know, for the just to rehash it, right? In my mind, the rain was thin, and I had beer in my a beer in my hand, and we were like somehow I was on. It was like you know, it was like that moment in a concentration camp movie where the fence was between us, you know. And you could go in, but I couldn't. There was that kind of moment going on, wasn't there? But yeah. but you got me beer, so it was all right. And then there was Nigel Mansell, like fifty feet away, talking like as if he was he was doing his best David Hobbs like after dinner entertainer. But my word, was he the same old fashioned grouchy point scorey bloke you would meet in a pub in Birmingham? <laughs> Right. He's like a bloke who you would meet in a pub in Birmingham. He's like the kind of bloke who, when you were selling tech products, would say he was going to buy it and then would say, oh, well, this happened and that happened and that happened. And you'd be sitting there listening to him. But you're going to get to the punchline in a minute. And that was why you're not going to buy it. Stroke didn't win the race. You know, he's like that, isn't he? It's like, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair to him, I mean, I, I, you, know, you could cut him some slack. Um knocking pk given some of the things pk said to him um but oh it, well, it was, it, I thought it was but still yeah i mean yeah the, the the yeah i mean pk's in the news isn't he with this being banned from the pit lane for uh, uh this <laughs> slur that he allegedly used or didn't use or translates in one way or in a or in another way and and you know but it's it's classic pk to to be in hot water over that and with pk you've got to feel that he kind of knows what he's doing um you know i i think um you know nobody raced like nigel mansell right maybe guys in the 50s like sterling moss you know but nobody came through and like charged as murray walker used to say like nigel mansell did and you know, that's why the, the Italians called him the lion, right? That he did have this lion heart in terms of, of racing. But, I mean, you and I used to say at the time during his career, like often he had to do that because he'd made some mistake and hadn't qualified the car properly. And and if you, you know, I always came from, from uh, in with the perspective of a Senna fan and, and his up and downiness and the requirement to dig deep in the race you were just like dude like if you just like set the car up properly and qualified well you could have just driven off at the front and there wouldn't have needed to be any of the histrionics but you know <laughs> yeah yeah so anyway it was fun seeing him seeing him it speak. was fun um, i mean it was fun it's, it's uh i mean because i just a late i was starting to think why didn't i support Nigel? and i sort of did but i i was an alacy fan at, the, at, at that time um but that was uh, why yeah, no, that was why Mansell mania didn't grip you and me. I was reminded of that. Stood there because he was just too, like he was too much, you know. Yeah, of 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 uh, Britain can't do for me, you know. And and uh, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. It was quite something to see. The steering wheel got smaller, which meant that, you know, you needed to have some upper body strength, which I had, but PK couldn't do it. Uh, Patrese, my teammate. <laughs> Patrese, my sorry, teammate. But later on, Patrese he said Patrese just to, to put that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Patrese, who yeah. I always remember some journalist in a piece about him saying, like, you know, it was always hard to reconcile the hobby of having model trains with the seven minute Nurburgring time. And, and, you know, this is always the thing about the, the Patrese character. You know, the other thing that's interesting about Patrese is of course that, that lap he does of, of Jerez, which is somewhere on uh, somewhere knocking around on YouTube where it's like the launch of a new car. And he goes out with his wife and she's just had dinner. And as they leave the pit lane, he, she's like, you don't know this circuit, do you? And he goes, I know it very well. And that really tells, and he's got like some 200 horsepower front wheel drive car that he's going to do, do the, do the lapping. Um, and that depicts a different kind of side. There's Italian machismo there, which when, you know, 10 years ago, when I used to use it in class to provoke discussion, we were in a different place from where we are now. I think now we, people would say that's um, abusive behavior. Um, and, you know, so I, I, I don't know, but yes, Petra, but yeah, I'll Petrazi, a, a nice guy. Um, hmm. So, you know, I, we do have a little agenda here, don't we? A talking point here. So, so uh, just to, to structure what we're doing. So if there could have been only one, what would you have taken from the show? What, what car would I take away? Yeah, if there could have been only one. I don't know. You can't sell it either. I... You can't sell it. You no, can't be I like, know. I went... take that thing and sell it. You can't be like that. What would you No, I know. Like? Well, in which case, it's tricky, isn't it? Because one implies that I would want to, you know, have something I would use every day, in which case I really struggle to look past, like, the Carrera GT. I, I love that. I wouldn't have that. Um, and just drive it all the time. Um, but, I mean... Some of the 330 Ferraris were just, I mean, they're just pornographically beautiful. Um, there's all sorts of stuff there. I mean, there's just so much, it's really tricky. I mean, did you have a particular standard? Yeah, whatever those sports racing Ferraris that we, we were looking at, um, there were a couple, and I would have been happy with both of them. I think one was a, um, a full body Testarossa, um, and there was another one like 500 TRC or something. I, I could look on my phone, but you know, I'm not that. Not that well prepared. There was that there, brown it? Singer 911 as well that was, yeah, like, just had the stance to die for. Yeah, aren't they? I find I feel Singers are a little bit like um, Harleys, you know. When I first moved to California, it was kind of still cool to have a Harley, but somewhere in the last 17 years, it's gone from being cool to being kind of like really like chest wig really you know and and that's that's fine culture can can shift and change but you know i i feel uh yeah um yeah yeah i know where you're coming from i mean the thing the, the, the but um that's the thing they're still cool those are those alphaholics um julia thing that i showed you a while back that i saw on um i think on the ebo channel was just an astonishing piece of work it's similar sort of repro but it's you know you're paying a huge amount of money for those things, so they're not sort of real world for uh, mere mortals. Hmm. I mean, I I don't know. I I read a really interesting book um, about the history of Mulholland Drive, and it's written by a bloke who, um, in order to win races up on Mulholland, um, drove to uh, went to Germany, and basically had Porsche build him a Targa Florio spec 
911 RSR that was wasn't like tar- it was like Targa Florio spec, but this was the car that was going to do the best Porsche thought along Mulholland Drive based upon the specifications that that he'd he'd given them. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I uh, uh, so so the concept of the 911 perfected. I do understand that, just as I understand the coolness of the Harley thing. I just feel it's like a bit kind of done to death. Now that, um, you know, you'd, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Is is it is it me a bit like not liking Guns and Roses because everyone else liked them? Like, is you know? No, they weren't heavy enough for us. I know. I mean, I... there's some cracking tracks. There's some cracking tracks. But I mean, I had a, I got, <laughs> I had an argument with a couple of uh, my brother's friends on his stag do in Amsterdam about whether or not Use Your Illusion One or whatever it was um, was the best album of all time, which I argued it wasn't. Um, but um, I was really? distinctly argued down. Yeah. yeah. See, I have time for Use Your Illusion Two. Or was it maybe it was the Appetite for Destruction one? I can't remember which. Appetite one for Destruction is the one that everyone says is arguably the greatest yeah, rock and roll album that. ever. Must have been that. With like Welcome to the Jungle and yeah, Rocket Queen and you know Sweet Child of Mine and you know, mm. um, the uh, Use Your Illusion one was the one that was all orange. Use Your Illusion two is the blue one. That has the Kenneth. Oh, the blue one was the better, Kenneth, yeah, yeah. yeah, the Kenneth Williams. You could be my eye. Remember, it, <laughs> it sounded like. Yeah, it, yeah, I quite like that. It was old Kenneth Williams doing the soundtrack there, wasn't it? Or at least it did to you and I, for a moment there. Yeah, it's given the stuff Metallica were putting out at the time. There was better stuff to be had, but it's yeah, that is personal choice. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with the albums. Yeah. Nothing wrong with the albums at all. So we've. We've dithered around it up to now. Um, I even put you off when you were talking about it um, after you went and picked it up. But this M2, how is it? Yeah, it's, I mean, I've really, I haven't really driven it much. Yeah, I drove over to Colchester and dropped the the RS McGann off and picked up the um, M2, and then drove it back. So a couple of hours of motorway work, largely. Um, so and other than that, just sort of toot pottering about. So I've done a couple of little sort of blats on the old B roads and stuff. But the the two tests will be starts Friday. So I'm I'm take, we're driving down to uh, just north of Reims or Reims if you're French, um, and then staying overnight there. And then we're driving down to Avignon after that. So I've got to tool across the the uh, Côte d'Azur and then through the Pyrenees and then back up the middle of France. So I'll, I'll get a proper feel for it then um so far I, I like it i think the dynamics feel good it's it's fast um it's turbocharged so it's you've got a sort of usable lump of torque to make you know lazy not really bothering to rev it um progress rapid um but it, you know and then if you spank it a bit there's there's plenty up at the top end it doesn't get sort of full ferrule at the top end but it does go the exhaust the performance exhaust which i wouldn't have ordered because it was a ridiculously expensive option is egregiously loud but i got the impression from watching a few videos on youtube that they were allowed that the, the standard exhaust is pretty bloody loud as well so when you fire up the, the if i was commuting and leaving every day at 5 30 i wouldn't have many friends amongst the neighbors pretty quickly <laughs> 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 it's like, and then it sort of starts with the valves open, then closes them. 
as if to say like i'm here uh you about as you were you know um, yeah but yeah no it's it's nice it's got the tech side of it i'm getting my head around it's not much of it i mean it's a bmw make a big fuss of it you've got an app and all these sort of things you can do and there's some fancy bits and bobs but on the other hand it's a 2016 or 2017 car so you have to remember that because the tech's a bit old so yeah there's online stuff but it's 3g not 4g yeah there's um map updates that i've bought for because the maps were from 2016 so i've updated the maps because you know i'm about to drive across europe and i'll have the new ones please and that's not a ridiculous amount of money and it updated to the 2022 maps but you have to use a certain file system on your on your uh, on your usb stick and the usb stick can't be bigger than a certain size and all this sort of faffing um net net i had a too big a usb stick matron and had to order another one from amazon um, to arrive tomorrow so i still haven't actually got the maps updated so yeah i mean you know but as, as a package i think it looks great that the um the, the uh, respray on the wheels was a was a win as it turns out and um yeah it feels really tight together i mean so it'll be interesting to probably get it up into the pyrenees and um give it some beans mm, the um the uh um the wheels, the gold wheels, total winner, total winner. Please, you did that. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, that, that also, um, I managed to scuff them like an absolute bell end, but nonetheless, um, not paying attention and not used to the fact that the steering is much more tight and direct, even though it's an electronic rack, than in the um, Megan. Um, so, like, smack the curb gently but still annoyed the hell out of me but it also proved to me because i spoke to a chap just to get a quote for how much he would charge to come in and redo the wheel and he pointed out to me that uh, that's not frozen gold which is what i ordered and what they said to me is and i was trying to work out why it wasn't because frozen gold he described to me as sort of more nine carat gold and if you look on the pictures of the competition and stuff that's what it looks like um so what they've done is they've just done a couple of coats of frozen gold straight over the top of the black and thought that'll be fine um so what they so they've done a sort of quick and dirty respray. They've refurbed them and they haven't bothered to repaint them properly, um, which is why it's a much darker gold. But I mean, and then that is I like it. So, but it'll just be a problem to get the touch-ups done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the I'm not surprised they didn't refurb the wheels. You know, to a kind of a high standard. I follow this YouTube guy, Chops Garage, and I see now Chops Garage. He's in. Devon, isn't he? So I should say Chops Garage. Um, he, I mean, he makes decisions about whether to refurb wheels based upon how much the car's worth. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I see how much work it goes into turning an alloy wheel into, you know, something that was as it was when it left the showroom. Um, yeah. Um, I, 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 you know, I, I feel this is somehow traditional, Gammy. This is almost a good sign that this has happened because didn't you destroy an alloy wheel on your Nissan 350 indulging in some yeah. Dukes of Hazard foolishness many yeah. moons ago? And yeah, yeah. Wasn't oh, that... my, estimating my talent as usual, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you never framed it like that years ago, but I, I, uh, I realised yeah. now, thinking about it, that that short wheelbase makes that car quite uh quite chicksy on uh greasy cambridge british roads i just wasn't used to the car well enough and was just doing a sort of small power slide around the corner but i didn't know the car well enough and was uh 
just over, just rotated it too far around. Um, so just spun it round, and it sort of dinked the curb on the on the left hand side and uh, damaged the rear wheel. Not very much, um, but yeah, annoyed me. Especially yeah. when I rang up Nissan and said, "Can I buy a new alloy wheel, please?" And they went, "Certainly, sir. That would be a thousand pounds." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a long time ago now, like two thousand and eight. Yeah, yeah. Or something, well, I've still it? got yeah. three um, spare Ray's alloys in the garage because uh, I bought a set of four on eBay for four hundred and fifty quid, um, and the one that was got the dink in it is on my mate's wall as a hose holder in his garage. Ah, nice. Uh, all but so all's well that uh, that ends well. Mm. So, which wheel was it on the M two? Uh, front left. Nice. It's not that too, too bad. It's just like mildly annoying to my pride, if nothing yeah. else. Yeah, it's a bit like the missing chin spoiler on your on your Megan. It's kind of <laughs> you know, as you said, it looks kind of rakish. I tend to. Agree. Yeah, that one I wasn't too bad by that. I'm not quite sure why that happened. I think that happened in the Alps. Um, but um, yeah, battle scars. That one's all right. Mm. <laughs> So um, whilst I was in England, I uh, I saw um, old uh, John. Um, he's still living up north, but is spending more time down south because of the job that he's doing now. He said to me as we were walking to the station, um, any thoughts about what I should try and drive? So he has at the moment for the family like a McCann Turbo S. Well, it's not badge turbo s but apparently that's what it, what it is um which for the family you know i see why you would do that car it's a practical decision i i did get him to admit that he very much missed the c63 that, that he had some two or three cars ago because i was i not really talked to him about cars since he got rid of that c63 because i i i just you know i don't see how you could have to, i i mean that's like that's like trading in one of your children, isn't it? I could never have parted <laughs> with a C. I've never owned a C sixty three AMG. I just know if I had, I never could have uh, uh, parted with it. Um, yeah, but uh, but no. So this would be a second car. This might not be a lot of money. This might have to street park a lot. So isn't going to need to be too attractive to uh, to our light fingered friends. Um, what would you do? The advantage here being the budget is is probably more than than you know I might normally spend on a beta, but probably less, you know, probably would need to be ten, fifteen ish. What do you do for, for that? I, I said to him, uh, I'd get as much Jaguar as I could for the money and just roll the dice on reliability. And he didn't say anything, which implied that that had been deeply unhelpful. (laughs) Without having heard you say that before, I would have argued that that is deeply unhelpful, to be honest. Um. Well, in England, there's so many lovely Jags. Here, they've all got mirrored wheels, and and whereas you get get good diesel ones. Which models are you talking about? I, I mean, this Chops Garage guy, he had um, a turbo diesel XF. That was like a 2012 or something that 450 foot pounds of torque. I mean, I know it's a diesel, right? But you know, that, that would have, I found myself, I, I, I can't, when I was in England, I, I almost reached out to him and said to him, can I like have that car off you just for a little bit and then you have it back. But then I realized it would potentially be an even more 
difficult conversation when I'd blown it up at the side of the motorway and needed to explain to him and to my wife that I not got a car for the job that I uh, I needed to do. So I didn't take that any further than just rented. Probably, probably savvy. Um, I don't know. So it needs to be what four seats, four doors. I uh, not necessarily. Um, you know the it's replacing a McCann S. It's not replacing. It, it's sitting alongside. It's an additional ah, car think. for him to use commuting to and from the north. So you know, if it has four seats, great. But you know, if we we could make a strong case for something that did now four seats, he, he might think about it. Well, I mean, there's um, what was that? I I found that um, Jag. I was pointing out to you recently, didn't I? The uh, with the, with the with the that XK uh, five hundred horsepower supercharged one yeah. that was like nine and a half. Yeah, um, with seventy thousand miles, but one owner they, from you. Don't they do that in like a five series size sedan? That's the kind of thing. You that car would be a cheaper car to buy. Yeah, you can get the XFR. Yeah, yeah, that would be yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they, they look alright. They got a nice grill. I, I also said to him VXR eight or Monaro or whatever they they call oh, them. Yeah. Either way, the Vauxhall version of the Pontiac GTO Holden you know, Commodore V8, whatever, that that GM thing. But the reality is they're a little bit vulgar, aren't they, frankly? A little bit. I mean, I like them, don't get me wrong. Yeah, but I'm a chavvy scumbag. Um, they are they are not, you know. Yeah, they've, they're unfortunately, they're, they have the kind of image that Capri, that Capri, they are, yeah, that Capri's yeah, they had are, in the in 80s, right? The Capri's and are, when you're getting rinsed for nearly two quid a litre, do you know what I mean? It's, um, it's yeah. a... Yeah, you can sort of justify it in your mind if you're putting it into an AMG or or a, you know or an M car or something like that because or a Porsche. You know, it, it's expensive motoring, but there'll probably be some sort of clever tech that means you can still scrape twenty five on a long run. Uh, not not in the uh, not in the Vauxhall. This um, tomfoolery with updating the nav. Um, all of this is just to me feels like BMW and I said to you. Uh, you know, we over email. We were talking that that you know you need the forums. The only yeah, way... yeah, I've been on the forums. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean that's where I got a lot of the information. I mean, look, I mean, I'm I'm a tech uh, a, not aficionado. That's over egging it, but I'm a, a tech file if you like. I'm I'm keen, so I'm I'm happy to sort of play around with it and read up on it and stuff. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, it's got an internal hard drive. I still can't find out how big that is, but I mean, it's going to be 10 or 20 gig or something like that, so I can chuck a bunch of tunes on there before we head off. Um, I'll get the maps updated. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, I, I mean I'll, it, it's quite fun to be able to play around and see what the weather's going to be like on there, where you're going. You can do it like three times faster on your phone. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, it's got, it's got like, I mean, random tech that you think, well, I mean, I'm not that bothered, but it's sort of, I suppose it's sort of nice in the same way as having breakdown recovery is. There's a button for if you have an emergency, you know, like you see a biker go down in front of you or something like that. There's a button up by, up by where the lights would be you know, up on the ceiling um, to press for like SOS. And because you've got GPS in the car, you can just, they'll come over the mic to you and say what's going on. You can say there's a biker gone down or whatever. And they'll send emergency services. So that's, I mean, there's you know little things like that. That's quite nice. They do that on the motorbike, on the BMW um, S1000 and stuff, don't they? There's this little trigger thing on there on the thing that you can essentially call BMW emergency. Um, 
And if they, they if you crash the bike, it's got a lean angle detector thing. So if it detects you've gone off the road, it could, they call you. And if you don't answer, they sell send the ambulance anyway. So you know, there's a sort of an additional wrap that you uh, that you don't get with some other car. I mean, you've got Mercedes and so forth, but it, I've not experienced that before. Renault had some nice tech in the uh, RS. But as I said to the guy at the dealership when I was handing it over, they spent the money on the oily bits, and I was very happy with that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just a different experience. I'm sort of getting my head around it. Yeah, I mean, my wife's car, I mean, she has a 2004 E46 325 with the Sport Pack. The Sport Pack makes it, you know, gives it the handling stuff, which is, which is really nice. But I mean, it's an old car, but it's and we've had it for like hundred thousand miles now. I, I I'm still impressed by it whenever I drive it. I mean, I, I'll probably you've heard me say that before, but yeah, the the virtues of the car will come through the longer you own it. That's the the point. So I, I think this drive. Well, I'd like to know what you think after the drive. We'll talk again after the drive. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it certainly feels, you know, really tightened together. Um, and, you know, there's no, you know, the suspension is the suspension, but you can soften up a little bit when you put it into comfort. And the comfort makes it bearable. I mean, I've driven a lot of hard-ass suspension cars. That Cooper R was ridiculously hard, and I had two of those. Um, so... I, I'm not I'm not that bothered by that. And my long-suffering wife is um, aware of that. But you know the um, it, it, it's enough, and the sport pack doesn't make it you know extra egregiously loud. But it really does feel um, urgent, and because of the way it's, I mean, it's a three liter straight six, but at, at eighty or eighty five, it's sitting at about three thousand, three thousand two hundred RPM. So it's kind of in the bottom of the zone where the turbo is about to kick up because it's a twin scroll single, so it's it's ready to pick up about there. So you've got reasonable torque, although it's a little bit laggy below two and a half, but it's not slow. Um, but when you lean on it, yeah, even in any mode, comfort, whatever, because it's just the same springs, it's not got clever adaptive suspension or anything like on the three or the four. But uh, yeah, it's it, it feels really punchy, irrespective. Um, but I was worried, a lot of the reviews said that the low speed ride was painful. Oh, I'm not feeling that. Um, and this, yeah, this triple give us a good idea. And it's, you know, it's the end. There was the, the uh, I didn't realize before I bought it, and I'm watching a few videos afterwards about the difference between the N55 and a, it's not an S motor and this sort of like whatever. Um, but it has got other stuff I learned, uh, like it's got a double sump oil thing. So that if you're doing sustained high speed cornering, it's not going to run out of oil and screw the motor. And the guy I saw whose video produced that, I, I can't remember what the gentleman's name is, but. Uh, I uh, watched it earlier on, excellent video, um, said that his buddy had just wrecked a um, 240M Sport or 235M Sport doing the same doing the same track work, but it didn't have that modification. So I think he is a genuine M car, and we'll see. Um, yeah, so far, so good. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's, uh, let's wait and see with that. Um, you know, wait and see how you feel about it after the trip, but, you know, I think it, it feels like a keeper. Um, so I've been carting with the boy. Oh yeah, yeah. How did that go? Oh, dude. The uh, uh, well, firstly, right. It's better to be having the conversation. Do you remember what Stoner was like? Where every race he was like win or crash, and you were like, yeah. Well, he's obviously fast, but Jesus wept, right? 
it's great that I'm not having those conversations with Ollie. It's great that the conversations with him are, you know, uh, this is where you can make time. So we had like the track map out and to his credit, he has consistently found time in each session um, to the extent that he won his first race when we went um, earlier this week. Um, so the lap record for the juniors is um, 32 seconds and he's his fastest lap is a 36, which as mm -hmm. I say was good enough to win one race but um, put him ahead on the track, but second in the race, because the race is purely is determined based purely upon who does the fastest lap. And this other lad did a 35-second lap, although he was hopeless in the rest of the race. Old Ollie's got really good, smooth lines um, and uh, has, has really begun to, to enjoy it. Um, he most comes alive because he wanted me. He was very enthusiastic for me to do it. And, uh, dude, I'm such a child with it. I mean, when I sat in the car again, I'm fully, like, absolutely fully psyched. And after about three laps, I realized that I'm, like, absolutely fully adrenalized. Like, I'm taking adrenalized huge breaths, like, you know, gas breaths. I've been gripping the steering wheel so tightly that my arms and shoulders are, are absolutely done. Um yeah, so I, I did two lap two races the first time and, and was faster than the other guys. And I was most excited that, uh, uh, you know, I'd, I, but then I, I looked at the adult lap record and realized I was some distance off that. So then began to really think about lines and, and, and what I could uh, and what I could do. Um, so I'm, I'm now two seconds off the uh, the adult lap time, which puts me in the top 100 people in California or something. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. Nice so, cheapy. Dude, it is nice when the guys at the place who run it are showing you a bit of respect. Um, so that was, 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 uh, was good. Um, I was also pleased that when I had to pass people who thought they were fast, I was able to just follow them for a little bit and figure their lines and then just drive past them where they were slow. So mm -hmm. they, it was like, I wasn't like having to like Dale Earnhardt them. I could just, you know, put yeah. them. <laughs> Difficult to meet them again in the pits after you've dealt with them. <laughs> <laughs> well, these kids have no shame. I mean, I, I, well, watched, yeah. I watched one lad go for a total like, you know, like Senna at Suzuka on Prost, gap that wasn't there, on his sister, on his like six-year-old <laughs> sister, and put her like hard into the wall. So, Take that, biatch. <laughs> I know, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so like, mind you, I mean, you beat up on the, those closest to you, don't you? I mean, well, yeah. well me and my brother said he used to reenact wrestling moves after the 18 <laughs> on a Saturday afternoon. I mean, <laughs> don't yeah. DDT me for real. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. been uh, so that's been fun. Have you been following um, Mike Booth and his updates? Um, I ha I haven't actually caught up with it for a little while, which I feel bad about. Actually, what's the is the latest? 
Well, I noticed on Instagram there was a photograph of him in his wheelchair in the hospital. Mm. Um, he's um, there is also I'm not sure if you see it on Forty Four Teeth, the YouTube channel. There are a couple of videos now of his TT diary. So one is like up to the day of, and then the last one is, I think, the morning of. I've not watched all of that when I was watching a little bit of it this this morning. Um, but yeah, there's there's a complete documentary right up to the time when uh, when yeah. So 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 yeah, he also in the TT video, we're still there on his on his helmet. He does the pan around, and uh, Halvar and Clarence dot com is uh is very much still there and and in the shot if you were uh, if you if you know exactly which frame to pause it on at least <laughs> well i mean like, it's it's it is what it is i mean obviously i feel awful for him but uh i'm sure he'll go on to impress us with like what he does next anyway because he's that kind of guy um so uh yeah um you know I, i've ridden bikes for years bikes are dangerous you get unlucky on the road that that happened to you um, yeah. so you know you go and take a risk at a, a place like that you know I'm happy to support you and I wish him all the best and I, I feel awful that it happened and you know but it is what it is and I'm sure he knew what he was going into yeah 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 so uh, um, in a, a, a kind of a, a segue does this does this count as a slick segue whenever I do MCing at any events at the Black Hole they always say to me oh you always have a good way of segueing from one thing to to another so so many of these scenes at the Isle of Man TT feature transit bands and uh <laughs> you and I last saw each other when you dropped me off at Basingstoke station and I rode down to Portsmouth to to pick up a enterprise rental van well they gave me a transit a new transit and and I did 1300 miles around England in it and uh absolutely loved it absolutely loved it um is it me or is it because vans are for people who drive a lot that the actual business of driving and how it feels on the road all of those things are like done right for vans i feel like they're done right for vans and in so many cars that i drive they're just not the dynamics just aren't there whereas vans the dynamics are, are always there I, I i just i feel that that they're good to drive. Maybe other vans that aren't Fords or Mercedes might not feel that way. But this was, you know, the the shifter was close to the steering wheel and was slick, just like the the one on my Fiesta ST. Um, yeah, I I absolutely uh, uh, loved it. I uh, I did stupidly drive on a beach and get some stones caught up in it, and it started making a peculiar noise. <laughs> and uh and i ended up calling... you loved it but you wrecked it well i was like jesus this, this was only about 100 miles into the trip as as, <laughs> as well because i did um I, this were you is... in wales no no so so i i started i started at the end because obviously it's it's me right um and i went to hastings because i'd never been to the site of the battle of hastings oh yeah and that's the end of I, I was exploring the you know I was in the footsteps of King Arthur and I thought I would have a look at the end of the Anglo-Saxon period so William landed in this place Pevensey so I went to Pevensey first and then I drove round from Pevensey to um, Bexhill 
And it was there that I drove on the pebbly beach and got all sand, or got all stones up inside the uh, the transit. But a bit of heavy braking soon soon fixed that. So that yeah, was uh, that was you know that that solved the problem. And it stopped making the peculiar noise it was making and made me feel a, a lot better. But um, whilst I was there, in fact, whilst I was dealing with the stones that I'd stupidly scraped up into the front of it because I was driving too fast um, on the on this pebbly on the pebbly bit, um, I noticed a plinth at the side of the road that said that Britain's first motor race took place here at Bexhill, and I was like, what? But yes, that's the truth. In 1902, there was a speed trial on the seafront at Bexhill, right where I was, right near where William the Conqueror landed and not very far from Hastings, where the uh, the battle took place. So the following day, I went to the place where the race like organized was organized. It's a hotel now. And they have this like foyer, like, you know, like interest point which is all photographs and the history of, of the Bexhill trials. So I looked at all of the cars and, and was highly amused to see that the fastest car was a 60 horsepower Mercedes in like the last year it was run in 1906 or something like that, which is uh, so, uh, yeah. So it was like a run down the hill and it was a really popular thing. And, and then when Brooklyn's opened and Brooklyn's was in competition, with with it kind of when brooklyn's opened that was the end of of bexhill as a as, as a venue yeah so then i went to hastings and that was was quite cool and and then i did a lot of other arthurian stuff so i went to winchester where they've got the original king arthur's round table it's there's record <laughs> so Dude, say, wait a minute, wait a minute. The, the original from what the actual King Arthur's Round Table, dude. No, no, you're you're laughing, right? They carbon dated it to the middle of the 12th century, so it was made up about the time that Le Mort d'Arthur or, um, you know, Bernard of Clairvaux, these like chroniclers who talk about Arthur, who made up the Arthur myth, those people. Um, it, it was about that time at the table, and it's t- it's too small for like a bunch of knights to, to sit around. But at the same time, there's record of it being on the wall of this um, church in uh, or, or court of law in Winchester. There's records of it being on the wall there in in the 1300s. Some like traveller guy whose record that we have talks about it hanging on the wall even then. It was painted by Henry VIII when he had a lot of his children, a couple of his children married off at, at Winchester. So so I, I left Winchester having learned lots of interesting history, but nothing to do with Arthur. So then I, I went to this place, Cadbury Hill Fort, which they think is the site of Camelot. And it's a basically, you know, you Who and I... But, sorry? Who are they? <laughs> These are they, people that think this. Our historians, right? Historians do so. So, um, I was just checking. We're not. It's not like Glastonbury people, Glastonbury people, kind of thing. Uh, you know, um, the line between you know what you've generously, what you've described as Glastonbury people, 
and and you know all, all i would say is in a moment when i come on to glastonbury abbey and arthur's burial site and there's there's considerable cause for doubt of any the veracity of anything that you you hear but certainly um cadbury the iron age hill fort is an amazing hill fort and you know a a place where i feel like um camelot could have been you know it was big enough to have a town inside it took me what 20 minutes to walk the perimeter of the of of the the earthworks so what could have been inside was you know as big as uffington hill fort not like a small kind of but so i was i you know so that was so that was uh, so then at, then at glastonbury um i talked for a while with a man who had a volkswagen van from leeds on hot vacation and holiday i should say and um we talked about how nice it was having vans and i moaned about the size of english parking british parking spaces and he too said he thought they were unreasonably small and i said i you know they needed to be bigger and we agreed on that and then i went and saw the place where arthur was buried um except they're not really sure about that because they moved the bones and anyway, the bones that they dug up, they weren't really sure if they were Arthur's bones in the first place. Um, well, that seems like a sure thing. <laughs> yeah, which, which hurts the, the credibility of the whole, like, Arthur's aerial site yeah. thing. Although the actual setting of Glastonbury Abbey with, you know, the, the Abbey in ruins. And, and, you know, in 1500, it was one of the finest libraries in Europe. And by 1550, it was completely gone. Um, it was the ruin that it is now, all thanks to um, Henry VIII, who seems to have been kind of Trumpy, as far as I can make out, when it came to the destruction yeah, of the... Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I didn't make that, make that connection, but there was a, an air of Trump about the VIII. Well, I, I, I won't... It was when I was looking at the picture of him um, at uh, when we went round the Tower of London, I went round the Tower of London with my family, and, and I was looking at him, and, and it was the orange hair... That made me that made me think and, and, you know, and the willingness to, you know, upend tradition for what works for you and for the agenda right now without wanting to make this podcast about. Uh, yeah, yeah. About politics. No, there's an expediency to both individuals. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, I'm, I'm we're uh, when we're coming back up from France, I was looking through uh, things I wanted to do on the way past and we've got to spend a couple of days driving back up. Um, so we're 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 popping into Amboise to get some of the patisseries that I like because from out of time there twenty some years ago, uh, the legend that is Bigo Pastries Millefeuille. Oh gee whiz! Uh, but we're then popping into that. We're doing the Lascaux Caves on the way up. Um, but then more to the point, after that uh, we're doing the Bayeux Tapestry. Um, huh. So uh, I wanted to do the walk the uh, the uh, War Museum and stuff uh, at the. Uh, uh, Omaha Beach and that sort of thing on the on the way past. And in order to be there, you sort of over by Bayo is the natural place to stay. So the tapestry's over there. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that. So uh, yeah, no, it's interesting because uh, I saw I saw the pictures of you at Hastings. So it's uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we, I did uh, went down to Tintagel as well, and that drive along the northern deliberately drove along the north coast of Cornwall, and that was um, probably the most enjoyable part of the trip from a from a motoring perspective. I should say. I kept told the GPS to keep me off main roads 
So I stayed on A and B roads. And what I found was that quaint England of, you know, country pubs and narrow country lanes. Um, I found that in absolute spades. I, you know, I grew up in the south of England, lived there for 30 years and saw a side of the south of England that I'd sort of not seen visiting as a tourist and doing this like crazy like Arthurian thing. So the sum up on the Arthurian thing was I looked for Arthur, but I found lots of Norman history and the Norman history was cool. And I had, oh yeah, because the other thing I did, I, I went to the lake where, you know, the lady brought the sword out. Well, there's nobody mm-hmm. there. There was nobody there. And then so I was there at the side seeing if I could feel a spiritual moment. And then these farmers on ATVs drove cattle along and the cattle like ran over the top of me um, because I had like nowhere to go because the lake was on one side and the fence was on the other side. And the farmers just like looked at me as much as to say, F you townie frankly so <laughs> you know the spirit so there was a little bit of i and there was me being all like oh you know because i i saved the last of the uh the comestibles that you left for me uh for, for there and i was there you know and the water was was shimmering and i was the only person there and then it was hey hey boy come here <laughs> and then it was like revving engines and then the cows were on top of me and it was all a bit of a nightmare frankly yeah that'd be a bit hectic yeah so um we're uh, we're into the the, the home straight of, of our time now, Mark. And I I wanted to talk about uh, uh, a couple more things with you before uh, before our close of play here. Um, uh, that um, I've been very much enjoying diecast racing, and specifically this YouTube channel Three D Bot Maker, and this is where he does exquisite dioramas often by sponsors of the channel and the it's hot wheels that then race downhill courses and and you would really be surprised at just how good the racing is i would go so far as to say i've not been watching meadow gp recently but i would much rather spend half an hour watching some 3d bot maker diecast racing than i would any real motorsport now? <laughs> well, I will give you uh, that I have watched a couple of them. They are pretty good. Uh, I think it, uh, you would be uh, advised if you were going to watch any current motorsport, I would watch World Superbikes. World Superbikes is an epic three-way uh, tussle um, between uh, Top Rack, uh, Jonathan Ray, and, um, oh, dear, oh, dear, I can't remember the gentleman's name. Oh, it'll come back to me in a second. But, yeah. It, it, uh, the gentleman on the Ducati, oh, it's just cool. There's it, some really good races at the moment. Um, so you say World Superbike's the one if I was going to return to to watch. I like motorcycle racing because it's short. The whole Formula One thing where it's the whole weekend and it's qualifying and all of that, I'm just like, whatever. But WSB, you get a race on the Saturday, full-length race, and a race on the Sunday, full-length race. And they do some other, like hyper pole qualifying and things like that i've not caught so i'm a bit out of date with the, the rules and regs to be frank but uh, it's exciting stuff yeah yeah well um i should uh i should pay tribute to uh Alain de Cadenet, um before we uh before we sign off today um 
I meant to say to you um, that, uh, you know, I did that event with him, that front of camera TV show and where we drove that um, 50s Ferrari. It was, what, 13 years ago now. And after that day, the bloke never acknowledged me ever again. I sat with him in a car for all of that time. And ever since that day, he never spoke to me again. And, you know, I don't want to, um, uh, I, I felt firmly put in my place and reminded of my status, just as Ollie did when the fast guys picked up bits of rubber from the track and threw it at him as they overtook him, right? That was how um, he made me feel. But I do have two hmm. stories about him that when towards the end of the time, um, the car pulled to one side, had these terrible brakes, but it could still drift, right? Uh, it was a 50s Ferrari and it was was balanced and, and we were on Highway 33 and he had the thing full on Japanese, you know, initial D spec drifting through these long curves. And he sang, he like sang opera and sang like, you know, it was, you know, that was how the the experience was for him. And I always thought that was a, a magical thing and something I was very lucky to, uh, to you know, to, to be with him, you know, to, to experience, right? Not just the driving masterclass, but but also the 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 fact that that he he sang, um, and the other thing I was going to say about him has of course slipped my mind. Oh, I know what it was, Nixon, great bloke. I shared first class with him on a Pan America flight just before he was president. Absolutely great guy. Could see nothing wrong with him. <laughs> um. So, um, I, I'm, you're off to France. I'm fiddling yeah. around, um, getting ready for, for Pebble Beach. Um, I'm, I'm still in the chairman's suite, apparently. I've got my annual haircut lined up. I'm not sure if my razor's <laughs> going to be up to taking my, my beard off, but I'm all, all lined up. You're de-stubbling, are you? My yeah, word. I'm all lined up for, for Pebble Beach this year. Pebble gets more, more attention than your wife. Oh, you know what? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It does. That's a, yeah. Now you've framed it that way. I feel guilty. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm getting ready for that. Um, I've I've spent this last week getting ready for a conference. That conference that I go to, the um, International Motor Racing Research Centre conference at Watkins Glen. I'm all set up for that, and I I've semi negotiated. I think I might be able to drive home from the conference. And I realized that the route, um, or you can take, if you take the Southern route, it's basically the route of route 66. Cool. So we'll see if I can uh, negotiate that and, and make that come to pass properly. But that might be what I'm up to, uh, up to in November. So, um, yeah. So, uh, well, I, I, I won't say next week because it's not next week because I'm not doing these things weekly. But um, I'll, I'll uh, um, I will sign off now, Mark. Thank you for your time. Pleasure. And uh, yeah, and good luck in the Alps. And uh, we shall reconvene shortly. Take care. Cool. Cheers, man.
This episode has been brought to you by Grand Touring Motorsports as part of our Motoring Podcast Network. For more episodes like this, tune in each week for more exciting and educational content from organizations like the Exotic Car Marketplace, the Motoring Historian, Brake Fix, and many others. If you'd like to support Grand Touring Motorsports and the Motoring Podcast Network, sign up for one of our many sponsorship tiers at www.patreon.com forward slash GT Motorsports. Please note that the content, opinions, and materials presented and expressed in this episode are those of its creator, and this episode has been published with their consent. If you have any inquiries about this program, please contact the creators of this episode via email or social media, as mentioned in the episode.